Welcome to the never-ending quest for clarity. This is Loving Liberty with Brian Hyde. Hey, welcome to the second hour of our broadcast today. Shout out to our friends listening to us on K Talk AM 1640. Those listening on the Loving Liberty Radio Network and several other networks that actually carry us. Oh, would you like me to give you a list? Well, I can do it. That would include uh, Liberty News Radio, Missouri Liberty Radio, TalkStream Live, and soon, let me knock on wood, a couple of, uh, a couple of my old stomping grounds, uh, a couple of radio stations in southern Utah that will be carrying, uh, carrying this program as well. Exciting stuff. Now, I do have some bad news. I'm sorry. Pull up a chair. Do you have someone to drive you home? I, I have some bad news, and it's just simply this. I've, I've looked into it. I'm sorry to have to tell you. It's only Wednesday, apparently. You going to be okay? Excellent. We'll move on then. <sighs> the toughest part of what I do every day is trying to decide what would be worth sharing. And I know there's stuff that uh, you know there, there's stuff that's on people's minds, and it's and look, I love the tattler as well as anybody. You know, uh, the the NASCAR driver who decides a pull rope for a, a garage door was actually a noose. You know, you might want to have a little talk with uh, Jesse Smollett about <laughs> about what happens when you when you run with the hate crime, uh, you know, commentary, and 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 it just it wasn't the case. It only took 15 FBI agents, by the way, to figure that out, but. That sure isn't, it sure isn't going to stop people from trying to milk it for all that it's worth. Actually, I think we have some more important things we could be discussing. One of them is uh, it's Eric Peters answering a letter to the editor that a friend provided him from an individual who is is talking about the need to to get a handle on COVID-19. Now, look, we're hearing, you know, cases are starting to pick up again. Cases are picking up. And I understand that's scary. And I mean, as if it wasn't scary enough, right? The big red numbers appearing there on the CNN screen every day. Well, you know, we have this many thousands of people infected. This many people have died worldwide. We're supposed to believe that this is an existential threat. Why? I don't know. Obviously, there are people who would benefit from us all being scared to our knees, but... I can't tell you what the what the real purpose is behind behind the con, the constant fear porn that's being you know broadcast at us all all around the clock. But a reader sent Eric Peters an excerpted letter to the editor from a uh, Corona Clover. And by the way, if you don't know, Clovers are the the people who just feel the need to control everybody around them. the The Clover is the person driving five under the speed limit in the left hand lane on the freeway, right? Well, no one really needs to go faster than 65 on here. We all know it's safer. <laughs> Are you buckled up in there? You know, they're, they're the person who believes that uh, what they know what is best for everybody. And they, they just get a contact high every time they come into contact with authority. So listen to what this, uh, this guy named Steve had to say. He said, if we're going to reopen the economy, we... Need an enforceable law that requires mandatory mask wearing while at indoor venues with fines for noncompliance. We need enforced standards for various types of businesses to ensure social distancing and other safety measures with mandatory fines for noncompliance. Repeated violations should result in pulling the business's licenses. 
This will help the economy, lessen the risk of transmission, and help us bridge this crisis until a vaccine is free and universally available. Now, if you're like me, you read that and you're just like, wow. Steve, are you driving a car without a steering wheel right now? Because I'm sensing some control issues here, brother. (laughs) I mean that in the kindest way possible. Eric Peters says, where to begin? As good a place as any is we start with this we business. It's always we, decreed by an I, but without the honesty or guts to say so. It's an elaboration of the moral dissembling and oily effacing effrontery behind the common good. And Eric Peters says there is no such thing, of course. There is the good of some, defined again by an I. But it isn't even the good of some, because the good is presumed by the I, who, of course, did not ask each specific individual what he considers to be good, but rather tells them and enforces it, as Steve clearly wants to, upon everyone. Now, there's a great lesson here, and Eric Peters explains this beautifully. Every collective is inherently authoritarian. Because there is no such thing as collective leadership. That is dictatorship. There is always and only the dictatorship of an I and always at the point of a gun. It's why communism, the dictatorship of the proletariat, but actually of Lenin and all the other isms, they aren't voluntary associations. They require coercion lest they come apart once the individual realizes he isn't in charge and, if free to do so, decides to say, no thanks. And leaves. So this we, Steve uses, really means he. And that you are to obey him, defer to his wishes. He will decide when you are allowed to transact business, earn a living, and under what conditions. With whom you will be permitted to associate and under what strictures. Your wish to rationally assess your risk of catching woo flu or any other flu. The Steves of this world, he says, are sickness psychotics, ill people who will not be satisfied with lockdowns and face diapering for just this sickness, takes a back seat to his fear, which is open-ended and justifies everything Steve and people like him feel they need. Eric says, no matter what it costs you, no matter the harm it does to you, no matter the fact that Steve and people like him are the ones who are sick, not just physically or just not physically, Steve dreads getting sick. And so everyone else must be presumed sick, even in the absence of any reason to presume. The mere possibility that they might be is sufficient to force them to live like highly infectious lepers to perform sickness kabuki. Eric says the healthy in the head and otherwise are to be threatened with murderous violence. Let us not speak in in euphemisms for not adhering to Steve's guidelines, which is a euphemism. His guidelines imply suggestions one is free to adhere to or not. And these you aren't, at least in Steve's new normal, which is about as abnormal as can be imagined short of actual mandatory diapers in addition to face diapers to ease equally neurotic fears about incontinent messes. The difference is one of degree Not in principle. Just as anyone might be sick or could get sick, anyone might lose control of their bladder. For that matter, why not impose guidelines and use enforceable, murderous, also enforceable, using murderous violence that motor vehicles must be strictly limited to speeds no higher than a man can walk, since otherwise someone might die. Because otherwise people actually do. As with the woo flu, as with any flu, as with life, if one lives it. Eric says, pre-corona and the organized, whipped-up hysteria about the risk, a fraction of the actual harm caused by the virus, there, was, there were neurotics with a vision zero, demanding just that. 
Zero people killed by motor vehicles, no matter what it took. And regardless of the ratio of harm caused by these prophylactic measures versus the putative harm averted by them. Thus, cities made no-go zones for cars and a kind of vehicular social distancing, cars forced to wear the equivalent of the face diaper, such as external airbags, to keep pedestrians, none specifically, just the class, safe. Even if a driver never actually hits one, he will nonetheless be forced to dress for just in case. New cars will soon have, in fact, many already have, electronic speed limiters. Not the dumb kind that prevents a car from going faster than X on the top end, but faster than any posted speed limit anywhere. A variable speed limiter. The sign says 25 miles per hour. The car is limited to that speed or until the speed limits until the speed limit says otherwise. Why? For safety. Even though no one has been harmed, but because someone might be. Because someone like Steve is concerned and fearful of that might. And so Eric Peters asks, do you discern a common theme? It's this. Safety has been weaponized. It's a highly contagious sickness with the cure inflicted on those who aren't sick. Specifically or superficially, rather, he says, this is for the sake of sick people like Steve. We're urged to be kind to them. That is, accommodate their derangement rather than call it out and refuse to pretend it isn't deranged. But he says it's deeper than that. All of this is really for the sake of people much sicker than Steve who use people like Steve in the manner of Lenin and his useful idiots to get what they crave above all the normal human desires, such as happiness, friendship, love, and achievement. What's the, what these ill-in-the-soul people crave is power, perhaps because they no longer have souls. It takes people like that to use fear against people like Steve in order to control not just him, but everyone else. Steve must be handled with care, as the fictional shyster Saul Goodman in the streaming series Better Call Saul handled his neurotic older brother who feared electricity and lived as a hermit in a house with the power cut off by the light of Coleman lanterns. But Saul didn't turn off the power in his house, and neither should we. Though we ought to be free to choose for ourselves, which is something the Steves will never allow if they have the power to prevent it. Now, notice there's no call to be unkind. There is no call to humiliate or otherwise, you know, confront someone who wants to wear a mask. But I think there's very good reason to stand up and put your foot down and say no to the Steves of the world when they insist that we had better shut this thing down until we, meaning I, feel safe again. Thanks, Steve, but no thanks. Hey, once again, welcome to the Loving Liberty with Brian Hyde program. By the way, join the conversation at 801-331-8113. I'll give you that number one more time, 801-331-8113. I know the police feel like they are stuck between a rock and a hard place, right? Uh, the politicians are ready to throw them under the bus if, if they, uh, you know, do anything that, uh, that appears to infringe on the, what the protesters are doing. It's kind of disturbing, too, when you're watching, like, the literal destruction of private property or, in some cases, even public property, statues and so forth. Um, and the police are told, stand down. Just let it happen. Ain't worth hooking anybody up for this. 
And so we've seen a lot of calls to defund the police. Now, I don't know, maybe maybe I'm a little bit of an aberration here. Um, personally, I would love to see police uh, um, maybe not defunded, but privatized. I would like to see them subject to market forces in the same way that other businesses, which have to compete for their customers, are treated. Because you know it would change how they treat the public. But there's a terrific law or a terrific uh, article here by James Bovard. This is uh, from Mises.org. I'm going to share this in just a few moments. This says, rather than defunding the police, you want to really do some good. You want to stop the kind of abuse that is becoming normalized. And this is not to throw all the cops under the bus. It's to recognize the way that they are being used has legitimized and normalized brutal things that we would not have stood for at an earlier time. You want to get rid of that? Start repealing useless and abusive laws. Give them less reason to interact with people, to have a duty to interact with people. Save it for the things that really matter, like crimes where there's an actual victim. We'll share that coming up in a few moments. Let's go to the phone. Caller, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking my call, Brian. Everything that is happening right now is just right. I think it's, it's, it's oh, everybody's waking up. There's people waking up now. And, you know, this all thing happened. I think a lot of people are so afraid to speak up, you know, with the old feeling of, I don't want to offend anybody, but I think that's gone. <laughs> yeah, good luck. Good luck not offending anybody. I guarantee you. Yeah. Somebody rolled out of bed this morning, drank their morning coffee, and went, ah, what can I be offended about today? And then they went yeah. on the hunt. Yeah, just, just uh, that, I think that's gone. That's gone away now. That's, thankfully, that has gone away because people are not afraid to offend anybody anymore. I'm seeing it on social media now. Everyone's fed up and done. I want to believe you, and I believe there are some people who actually have finally found their backbone and went, you know what, I'm tired of being backed into corners and bullied around. I'm just going to live my life, and I don't care what people think about me. But tell me this, what, what about all the businesses? Why is it that corporate America can't take a knee quick enough and, 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 and signal its virtue more thoroughly than, than it's doing right now? Uh, these people that are taking a knee should move to a different country. That's what they should do. If they're, you know, I mean, the NASCAR thing, I just found out about today what that was all about. Unreal. What a creep. Yeah, did, didn't you know, we do this a little over a year ago in Chicago with Jesse Smollett? But, yeah, all right. creep, another creep. You know, it, it, these people need psychiatrists. They need help. I mean, you know, I didn't have any slaves, and he didn't pick any cotton. So, no, I hear I think, you. In fact, can I share? Can I share something with you? I I shared this earlier today on Facebook. It popped up on my memory. Something I actually shared five years ago, but it still rings true today. Charlie Reese, the old columnist from the Orlando Sentinel, said this. He said, "It is pointless, in my opinion, to condemn, defend, or even try to explain slavery as it existed in the United States." He said, it's a dead issue and moot. So what if I think slavery was an evil institution? It no longer matters. The time to have been against American slavery was when slavery existed. Other people in other times settled that issue. We have our own issues to deal with. Now, tell me if this doesn't sound familiar. He says, when someone tries to lay a guilt trip on you for something you had nothing to do with and no way to control, 
then you know you are dealing with a con artist trying to wheedle or extort money from you. And, as has happened in some countries already, if somebody says this is the official version of history, and if you have any different ideas, you are committing a crime, well, then you know you're dealing with a totalitarian. Well, you know, these people are crazy. Because, I mean, look at this. 101 people killed in Chicago. Three-year-old black boy shot in a drive-by shooting. Where's the outrage? There's no outrage. So the hypocrisy and the irony that keeps coming down the pipe here with this whole thing going on is just exposing themselves and making them look like a bunch of horses' asses. And everybody's realizing it now. But, you know, my big fear... What's that? ...is when the election time comes, if these people don't realize it by then then, you know, you're just going to have to break away from the system. The system, you're going to have to let it collapse and, you know, go about how to survive through it. That's, that, that's because then, when, then you, you know, we're surrounded with people that you can't even educate themselves. They have no common sense. And that's just it. You so know? Can I, mean, I, throw, a, can I throw a suggestion at you? Um, yeah. I, I agree. The time may come, and actually I see people doing this on, on, on a daily basis, to disengage from the system, to stop being a part of it to, as, as much as you can, turn your back yeah. on it, and just walk away from it. But instead of just hunkering down and waiting for the inevitable you know, crashing noises, I choose to focus on how will we build what comes next. And that's where I put my effort. And, that, and that's where I see you know, people who, who really want to make a difference they're focusing on what what can we do to help influence what comes next. Well, I, I think that's that's a good theory to to be worrying about. And uh, I mean, time will tell if it pays off or not. But um, that that I, I, at I least you I have control my, over my, that, my, and my, I have control over it. My my next challenge is how to get through to the point of what comes next. If you follow what I'm saying. Oh, I do. So that's and, where I'm at. And that's I have I have a word for you. It's teamwork. And I'm not saying yeah, become part absolutely. of the co- come come be assimilated into the Borg. I'm saying um, if, if you're not talking to your neighbors and working with them in ways that look, how could we help one another um, through absolutely whatever may come? It's this is the time to do it. And you know you know the people that are educated and intelligent. And that just have common sense. Those are the people you're going to want to be around, not the other ones. Well, but I'm going to I'm going to do the best I can for those who who actually, you know, who who may not understand everything, but but still have an open mind or an open heart. I'm going to do the best I can to inspire them. Come learn. Yeah. Well, I, I think I think that's a good thing to do. It's just you know. Try to educate, keep educating them, but educate them from a distance. Well, educate them by example. Right. Rather than demanding, hey, read this book and get back to me with a report. No, just if there's a better way, every time I have made an adjustment in my life because there was a better way to be doing things, I promise you it was because someone showed me through their example, not demanding that I do it, but just showing me. You don't want to hang around with losers. You want to hang around with successful people. That's how you learn. Okay, that makes sense. Hey, thanks so much for the call. 801-331-8113. We're coming up on our break, but when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about repealing useless and abusive laws. James Bovard is a very clear thinker. He's very nonpartisan. Right? He doesn't hate the police, but he recognizes the police are part of the all-powerful state, 
and they are the enforcement mechanism of the all-powerful state. So if, if the state wants to put you under its control, guess who it's going to send to your doorstep to make sure that that happens? Now, having said that, I have friends who are police officers. I worry about them. I look at some of the tactics that are being used against police right now, and, and it's, it's pathetic. You know, I mean, where was I reading about it? Was it in Tampa? Uh, police officers were called to the scene of a shooting, and it was, it was a false report. They were called there, and then they were surrounded and set upon by a crowd. Now, you would think that'd be pretty clear-cut. Well, then you just, you know, shoot your way out. Really? You've seen what happens to police officers who try to defend themselves these days. Like I say, they're stuck between a rock and a hard place. So let's talk about repealing useless and abusive laws and see how that might help the situation. We'll do that just the other side of these messages. Trusted voices of truth and insight. This is the Loving Liberty Radio Network. All right, we are back. I'm Brian Hyde. The number is 801-331-8113. Really? Did my voice just crack? Did I do a Peter Brady? Is it time to change? <laughs> all right. All right. Before before I dig myself in deeper, let's go back to the phone. Ivan is standing by. Ivan, welcome to the show today. Hey, Brian. How the hell are you? I am well. And you? Oh, still leaving the land of fear. In a land of apartheid. Now, I'm going to run a little history, if you don't mind. Yeah. You remember South Africa when it was run by the so-called whites and, and enjoyed the status of being independent of the international uh, bank? They try every, every trick on the book to bring this country down, but they managed somehow to survive uh, because of their rich uh, uh, minerals that they have there, the diamonds, the gold. And what did they use? They used the racial card. They inflamed the country with the, the Marxist movement. And what happened to South Africa? It, it went, it, it, it went uh, in the control of the blacks. And and automatically went in, the, in disaster. But who enjoy it? The bankers, the diamond cutters, the gold diggers, and South Africa lost its status. Now, let's talk about discrimination against whites. You know how many countries in, 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 in Africa, they had a white farmers, they had a big productive farms where the, when, uh, the riot started, they, the, the, the blacks went, burned their farms, killed with machete most of the farmers. In fact, uh, Putin accepted 140,000 uh, uh, farmers from South Africa and other country that the United States wouldn't accept it here. I remember now, this. This was just within the last couple of years, right? Right. And like I said, South Africa used to enjoy that status independent, but they lost to that. And then let's go back to the uh, slavery. Who sold the blacks to the slavery? A powerful tribe in Africa went and surrounded the less powerful tribes and sold them to slavery. Who, 
who shipped them to America, the merchant bankers of London. But nobody mentioned that. Nobody ever mentioned that there's a, another. And, and these blacks now, that's why I'm going to hit the politically incorrect. If that blacks don't like, they don't enjoy the human rights in this country, why they don't, don't get the hell out of here and go to Africa and, see, and get a better treatment? I mean, this is outrageous. They, they're destroying the, the, the white man relics. They're destroying the history of the white man here. I would I would if guess too weren't. that most of them don't have most of the people who are rioting and destroying really don't have a clue why they're destroying it. They're just going along with that mob mentality. But uh, your point is well taken. the The battle over civil rights was won a long time ago. the The plantations were closed a long time ago. Slavery was eradicated a long time ago. Why now this this sudden focus where everything is racist, everything but, but, is offensive. But I didn't finish with on, on one point. The, the, the who are the people behind these movements? Did you ever ask yourself? If you follow the, the, the world history, starting with the, uh, the French Revolution, it's always the bankers and the masons and the so-called crypto Jew, which is a leading, leading force uh, in, in, in the revolution. You know, when, when, when Hitler was uh, fighting for survival of his nation, guess who are inflaming the country? Rosa Luxembourg, Karl Patrick, and a bunch of others. And they all belong to the same nation race. And I may sound like a, a Jewish hater, but I'm not. I respect the Jewish people who work for life, but I disrespect the so-called international Jew that always dream to conquer the world with the revolution, with the Marxist revolution. And, and that. What a lot of people don't see, this is a, a Marxist revolution, and the, 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 the living forces like Soros, he's a Marxist Jew. I mean, he's a crypto Jew. He, he started revolutions. He started with, I mean, he went all over in Europe. He went in Macedonia. He got chased out. The warrant was put for his arrest. Then Hungary put a warrant for his arrest. Russia put a warrant for arrest. And he's here in the... The, the, the safe heaven in the United States, and he continued his revolution. When the American people going to wake up and start to seek with the real perpetrators, and maybe put some of them behind the bars? Okay, Ivan, I, I appreciate you sounding the warning. I think if more people would simply study history, I know people will say, "Well, it just sounds like conspiracies to me." Look, it's human nature to seek after power. It is. It's not like that's a big secret. Oh, well, nobody's ever done that throughout history. Right, Pharaoh? No. It's it's a part of, of our human nature. And unfortunately, it's a dark and disturbing part of our human nature that causes us to try to subjugate people for our own gain. And it exists in big and in small forms. But if you don't understand the history, if you don't understand how the pieces have come together the way that they have come together, um, there's no way you're going to make sense of it. You'll end up as, uh, what, did, what did Lennon call them? Useful idiots. People who would go out there and be willing to bash heads and, you know, kick in doors and haul people off to the gulag. Not because they understood what was going on, but simply because it was an outlet for them. It's, you know, it's the same kind of uh, thirst for uh, retribution that drove the French Revolution. And we're seeing a very similar dynamic. Our modern-day Jacobins are clothed in this, you know, impenetrable fog of righteousness. Everything they do or say is righteous. And if you say, 
No, that's not good. You're just victimizing people in reverse. Shut up, they would explain. You're just saying that because you're a cisgendered white male, blah, 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 blah. Therefore, you can't uh, you can't contribute anything to this conversation. I don't know what the answer is as far as, you know, I'm not going to go out there and meet them in the streets. But I will resist them at every turn. Starting with how I choose to live my life, how I choose to treat my fellow human beings. I will not play the tribal group identity game. I'm not eager to classify you based on, well, let me check your skin shade and see what I think you might fit into. I don't have to do that. And by extension, I will teach my kids and I will teach my grandkids. And by example, I will show the people around me. I don't have to be on board that virtue signaling train. Now, it's not without risk. And there are people who know this far better than I do because they paid a pretty heavy price. But you've heard us say before, courage is contagious. You can see it in action. You don't have to be out there bare-knuckle brawling in the streets to have the impact of being able to stand up for the right and inspire other people to do the same. The one thing you do have to do, the price you have to pay, if you're going to be able to do that successfully, is you have to know what you stand for. That means you have to know who you are. And that's far more important than what political movement you identify most closely with, what your skin color is, you know, what your income bracket is. It doesn't matter. You need to be the kind of person who is willing to buck the crowd because the crowd can often be wrong. I would refer you to yesterday's show and especially the 21 quotes that John Miltimore shared about finding the courage to be an individual. I'm going to jump back here into James Bovard's article real quick. Defund the police is the latest rallying cry for protesters in cities across the nation. But he says, uh, few activists appear to be calling for a fundamental decrease in the political power that is the root cause of police abuses. So many defund the police activists, for instance, would favor ending the war on drugs. And he says that would be a huge leap forward toward police making making police less intrusive and less oppressive. But even if the police were no longer making a million plus drug arrests each year, they still would be making more than nine million other arrests. Few protesters appear to favor the sweeping repeals that could take tens of millions of Americans out of the legal crosshairs. He says, how about uh, how about we, we look at some of the different reasons for which people are arrested? He says, unfortunately, there are endless pretexts for people to be arrested nowadays because federal, state and local politicians and officials have criminalized daily life with with hundreds of thousands of edicts. As Gerard Ehrenberg, executive director of the National Association of Chiefs of Police, told him back in 1996, we have so damn many laws, you can't drive the streets without breaking the law. I could write write you 100 tickets depending on what you said to me when I stopped you. So James Bovard says, well, then how about repealing state laws that make parents a criminal if they smoke a cigarette while driving little Bastion or Allison to soccer practice? What about repealing the federal law that compelled states to criminalize anyone drinking beer in their car? Or better yet, repealing the federal law that compelled states to raise the age for drinking alcohol to 21? Or would today's enraged reformers prefer to take the risk of cops beating the crap out of any 20-year-old caught with a Bud Light? There are some more article. There's some more uh, substance in this article that I would encourage you check it out. It'll be in the show notes, posted at LovingLiberty.net. 
I got to take this break. We'll be back just the other side of these messages. Welcome back. This is Loving Liberty. 801-331-8113. Two more things we'll get to before the end of the hour. Um, Great commentary from the American Institute for Economic Research. I know there are a lot of competing voices out there about how should the COVID-19 emergency be handled. These guys are among the most principled, and I'll I'll tell you what makes them, uh, I think, a good bet, at least worth considering, is the fact that uh, they are unequivocal in saying liberty. Let that be the the default setting, make that the goal, and you will see how the other problems work their way out. Also, we'll touch on, you know, right now there is a mad rush to move out of the cities. A friend of mine was just saying, why is it I can't find a moving truck from from Vegas? Closest one is like St. George or maybe Laughlin, Nevada, but there are no moving trucks in Vegas. Well, because uh, people are getting getting the idea that, Maybe it's time to get the heck out of Dodge. And apparently a lot are doing it. It's kind of scary. Everybody's having the same idea at once. All right, let's go to the phone. My friend John is on the line. Hello, John. Hello. <laughs> I, I have to laugh at that uh, comment you made about uh, moving trucks. I'm on I-80 in Nebraska right now, and I, I've lost count of the number of moving vans I've passed today. <laughs> so, so the rumor is true, apparently. I, yeah, I, I've, there's been a noticeable uptick on the number of moving vans out on the interstate um, everywhere from California to Nebraska to Texas that I've been in the last few months. Gee, I wonder what could be driving people from the cities. Huh. Imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> so what's what's on your mind today? Uh, well, uh, I've got a... With, with all the, all the talk of uh, criminal justice reform uh, that's been going on in light of the uh, George Floyd incident, um, got to put a shameless plug in for um, a, uh, a presidential candidate that initially I didn't know much about, but by golly, she has blown me away with her rock-solid stance on liberty and her incredible ability to articulate the ideas and philosophies of liberty. Um, and does she have a name? Uh, her name is uh, Dr. Joe Jorgensen. Yeah. She's the Libertarian nominee. I, I got to admit, I don't know a lot about her, but I have seen a couple of different quotes attributed to her, and she does appear to walk the walk. Yeah, I uh, I hope that, you know, I, I don't think that she's going to win, although, you know, with the general disgust for the two front runners so far, you know, maybe a miracle will happen. But, you know, it's one thing that she said that really impressed me was, you know, one of her actions on day one would be to immediately pardon everyone charged with a uh, federal victimless crime or wow. victimless crime and to uh, 
I think other things like, you know, like abolish the ATF, and, which makes me very happy. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's definitely that's language that that you're not going to hear from most of the establishment types. Oh yeah, and it's no, I, I have to wonder why is nobody else saying things like. Well, and I'll just hazard a guess. I, I could be wrong, but I think the the, the reason that more people don't uh, don't talk like that is because they want to convince the status quo that they pose no threat to it. That that makes a lot of sense. I mean, you know, it, and you know, it, it leads me to wonder. You know, how how did we even end up with? You know, I, I know the the presidential election in the big picture doesn't really mean a whole lot but I think it is a decent barometer of the general public's um, attitude towards okay you know what are we going to put up with what are we going to allow government to do I mean how in the world did we end up with a couple of bullies can hardly put together a coherent sentence running for president. Right. No, I, I get Somebody actually uh, posted a meme earlier today that I thought was great. And it was, uh, look, here's your election of 2020. And it was the, uh, the governor from uh, Pocahontas. And no, yeah, it, it was the governor from Pocahontas. And then it was also the... Uh, uh, I forget the 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 priest from the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Oh boy! There you go. There's your choices, everybody. Knock yourselves out. <laughs> you know, and then we have, you know, uh, I, I've looked over, you know, Dr. George Jorgensen's resume. I mean, she's got a PhD in industrial psychology. She's a lecturer at Clemson. She's started and sold two very successful businesses. You know, she's a mother and a grandmother. Like, how is that even a question? Except, oh, she doesn't have the right letter next to her name, so she obviously doesn't stand a chance. Right. Don't waste your vote. I mean, are we out of our minds? <laughs> well, you you know me well enough, John. You know, I my, my answer is... <sighs> Politics isn't really going to solve many problems at all. And that's why I, I don't have yeah. any faith that if we could just vote for the right person, you know, it it would all change. No, it'll change, but it'll change after we get ourselves squared away and we know exactly what we're willing to put up with and what we aren't. And until that happens, you know, we're just going to keep getting more of the same. Uh, agreed. And, you know, like I said, I, I think at the end of the day, elections are a barometer of where the people are at rather than actual agents of changing much. Agreed. Well, safe travels, my friend. Watch out for all those uh, all those moving vans out there. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'll try. Okay, thanks. <laughs> thanks so much for the call. Okay, I want to touch on these two articles really quick. We only have a couple of minutes left. Um, First and foremost, I want to refer you. Go to the website, lovingliberty.net. 
Check out the show notes. You'll find them on Loving Liberty with Brian Hyde. Today's episode, this is the 24th of June, 2020. The one you're looking for from the American Institute for Economic Research is The Emergency is Real. And they talk about COVID-19. They have been one of the voices of reason out there. And this is, this is a uh, staff editorial. But I'm not exaggerating when I tell you these guys are heavy hitters. They understand what's going on. And they have written this, this very detailed um, plan as to uh, how things could be addressed without straying away from liberty. Well worth your while. Again, the link will be in the show notes. And then there's this article from Michael Snyder published on LewRockwell.com today. Right now, there is a mad rush to get out of the cities. And this has been particularly true in New York City, San Francisco. But you know who has the best likelihood of getting out of the cities? Those who have said, wow, you know, enough. We've seen the unrest. We've seen that the police can't protect us, even if they wanted to. It's the wealthy who seem to be in a position to just go. And in some cases, the article points out people are willing to do like turnkey sales on their home. Leave it furnished. Leave everything there. Maybe the food in the refrigerator. We just want out. And of course, uh, lending institutions have tightened up their lending requirements. They don't uh, they don't make it as easy for you to borrow money. Michael Snyder says, I have never seen our nation so deeply divided in my entire lifetime. And he says, that makes me incredibly sad. And, and by the way, he points to this as one of the reasons why people want to get out is because they see that unrest teetering on the possibility of a civil war. He says, at a time when we should be coming together like never before, we're allowing strife, discord, anger, and hatred to divide us even more deeply. And his point is that a house that's divided will surely fall. The future of America looks extremely bleak if we continue down this path. Now, as one lone individual, he says, there's not a lot you can do to stop what's coming. But you can at least try to get somewhere safe before everything falls apart. But this is the warning that he issues. And this is the reason I'm sharing this article with you. If you are within the sound of my voice and you're thinking, yeah, this is it is a good time for us to relocate and find a safer place. He says, if you're going to move, you will need to do it quickly, because as I have discussed in this article, there are lots of other people thinking the exact same thing. Don't believe me. Just go try to rent a moving van. See how hard it is to come by one. I was hoping to end on a little bit higher, more positive note, but all right, I'll take it. Just remember, you can see the world as it really is. You can make a difference and use your influence wherever you happen to be standing. Stay humble, seek God's help, and yes, we will get through this. 